quote the third doctor played by the mighty John Pertwee. A straight line may be the shortest distance between two points, but it is by no means the most interesting. Welcome to the first episode of Nerd Out, and we are going to go on a very interesting journey. So it's uh, me, it's Sandro, we're uh, two nerds, and we thought we'd do something that has never been done before in the history of the internet, Sandro. We have decided to get together on a recording device and talk about our nerdy obsession and hope to the high heavens that there are other nerds out there who would like to listen. Mm. you think this is something that uh, may catch on, Sandro? I think so. I think we are definitely changing the game with this, with this format. <laughs> you heard it right here. In our first ever recording, yes, Nerd Out with Sandro and Rob is a game changer. <laughs> let's just aim for the heavens. Let's, you know, let's uh, catapult ourselves. Let's trebuchet ourselves over that expectation and onto the soft, cushy landing that is um, the internet feedback. Yes, indeed. <laughs> We're going to be talking about all things nerd on um, the silver screen, on the small screen, on the uh, digital screen, and uh, even on the pages of, uh, of of literature in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Now, um, it's it's a very busy time at the moment to be obsessed with anything. Um, we've been consuming a lot lately. Uh, Sandro, what have you been consuming lately? Um, with the, I want to say, 10 shows that I'm following week to week, one is particularly popped out that I wanted to mention today, and uh, it actually ties into what we're going to be reviewing later on, and that's uh, the new season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4. Um, now, you're going to talk to me more about this in detail, which is, uh, you know, quite fortuitous because we're doing a podcast on it, because I sort of like, I was, wasn't that excited by the idea of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I never really got into it, and the feedback for it, especially for the first season, was quite yeah. negative, and then a small band sort of like stuck with it, and it has been given new, you know, ABC has really backed it, I, I think it's ABC, has really backed mm. it and really supported it, and now it's in its fourth season, and I've always seen it as a, you know, a, a homogeneity of bland. I've got really angry at the show that it's carried on, whereas shows like Agent Carter, which was an amazing other show that they had on their network, but they've kind of cancelled after two. So I'm, I'm a little bit biased against Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they're still going strong, whereas uh, Agent Carter kind of was uh, left on the scrap heap. So you've yeah, explain, explain uh, how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is uh, going in its fourth season. So you're right. It was very shaky. The first season was a mess, kind of up until Winter Soldier, and then it kind of picked up. I stuck with it, and with with Winter Soldier type stuff, they actually incorporated the movie and TV worlds kind of joined. So with the collapse of Shield, they dealt with that on the show. Yes, um, yes. I think it was around six episodes long. They dealt with Hydra, and it was really, really cool. Uh, they changed up a bunch of the characters, and it was quite interesting. And then with season two, they introduced the Inhumans, which added a whole new element to it, and um, they just kept building on it and just building until it got to a point in which it was one of my favorite shows on TV. Now what they're doing is because Doctor Strange came out, they decided to be quite sneaky and slightly introduce magic into the Marvel MCU with this fourth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They've gone for, I don't know why, but a lot of TV shows recently have been going for taglines. Gotham yeah. is doing it. Last year it was like Gotham Rise of the Villains, and this year it's 
Gotham Mad City for some reason. I don't know why. They've gone for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider. They're trying to reinvent Ghost Rider, who uh, <coughs> Nicolas Cage tried his best and um, failed abysmally. I don't think he tried, though. Like that, <laughs> like he, he was, he, I, don't, I don't think he even wanted to be there for most of those films. Yeah, but I don't think Nicolas Cage really tried in a movie, and I do try without, in, you know, without inverted commas, you know, when he tried. I think his last great effort was um, Kick-Ass, which mm. is, a, this is like an Oscar-winning actor who's, gone by the wayside who's doing whatever film he can to pay off his debts which is uh, <laughs> which goes in the quality which i do put in inverted commas uh quality of his work um uh, his new film army of one is apparently really good though so if you're a nick cage fan check that one out <laughs> now um marvel have been trying to reinvent characters that haven't done as well in the past so yep. of course they've invented daredevil to amazing success on netflix mm-hmm. and they um reinvented um punisher as well and electra all in season two of daredevil and punisher for my part is one of the like i'm not a big fan of punisher um i don't get the concept of him but i have a couple of my mates who adore Punisher, but I think, and all the films that they've done, poor old uh, <laughs> uh, Dolph Lundgren didn't do that well, filmed in Australia, but Barry Otto was in it, and uh, Thomas Jane was uh, going up against a very, you know, lackadaisical John Travolta in the film, and they've made a couple of sequels with different actors as well, but they've never really captured the essence of the character until Daredevil came along and played brilliantly mm. uh, in season two. So how, how are they... Compared to like the uh, you know successful reinvention of Punisher, who's now getting his own spin-off series uh, on Netflix, um, how does this new Ghost Rider um, compare to previous screen versions? <laughs> compared to the films, much better. Comp- I wouldn't say it's as good as the animated version um, from the '90s. I think he showed up in I think it was the X Men animated series. But anyway, this isn't the Ghost Rider that you would know. Like when you think Ghost Rider, a lot of people think Johnny Blaze on the bike, which is kind of, I think he was the first, maybe second character to use the name Ghost Rider. This is one that came late, way, way later down the line, whose name is Robbie Rays, and he kind of takes on the mantle uh, from Johnny in this show. There's an interesting little element. Um, they've changed around his backstory quite a bit. And he's very different. He, uh, he hasn't ridden a bike throughout the entire season. He's more of a car driver. It's not the, go- it's not the ghost bike rider. It's a ghost uh, car driver. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's because Johnny Blaze, who, of course, Nick Cage tried to play in the films, uh, he was very much the stunt guy jumping his bike over cars whereas robbie is more of a street racer so right okay okay wonder if there'll be a um a, a ghost uh segwayer maybe a, a, <laughs> you know, a ghost pogo sticker i'd i'd pay to see that I that would, would be a solid see. netflix just r-rated netflix ghost rider on a segway yeah, yeah, 13 episode off. series it would yeah it, it would make a game of thrones fan blush exactly exactly <laughs> um, so focusing on uh, this new version of Ghost Rider in season four, is he an antagonist or is he is he sort of like helping the team? Is he like the old green Power Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? <laughs> is he like begrudgingly helping, or is he, you know, like the White Ranger who is you know born again Green Ranger who's helping them out? I'm, I'm don't, I don't know why I'm making a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers references. Yeah, but where does he stand in the whole series? 
Yeah, so um, he's... Well, they did a bit of a shift up uh, in terms of how the characters are working at the start of the season. Uh, for example, Coulson is no longer the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's someone else. Just They've changed up a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, Chloe Bennett's character. In the first two seasons, she played Sky, and then she changed her name to Daisy after the third season, and it got very confusing, but I think we're all used to it now. She also plays Quake, who is an Inhuman, who can basically make earthquakes, and so she's kind of gone rogue and then met up with Ghost Rider, and they've kind of teamed up to kind of be anti-heroes to a certain extent. Well, that was the big thing, wasn't it? Because they Marvel released its schedule for the next, like, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And after the Infinity Wars and stuff like that, they were actually scheduled to have an Inhumans film made. But then that was quite subtly dropped off the film schedule about a year ago. Yeah. Um, it was going wide, And Marvel didn't really comment on it. But now it's sort of like the Inhumans have been brought into the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, timeline. Uh, now, not being as Marvel au fait as most people, how do the Inhumans compare to, say, mutants, which aren't used in the, the Marvel world because, you know, 20th Century Fox still have the rights or yep. metahumans or whatever? Is uh, How do these Inhumans fit into the Marvel world? In terms of Inhumans on the big screen, well, on, on any screen, to be honest, I feel like this is the best they could possibly do. Like, Inhumans is such a weird concept. Um it's like mutants, but not really, and they're like alien experiments that was sent down, and Kree, it's all very strange. But um, I, I think they did a really good job of explaining it. Visually, it's great. Season 2 did a really good job of just kind of introducing the concept of Inhumans, and uh, to be honest, I think it's much better than any film could have done. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Well, there hasn't been any word whether Inhumans are back on the uh, mm. programming. We're sort of like all venturing towards... Infinity War, bringing the you know the the first three phases to an end, but they haven't really, but we haven't really got to the point beyond uh, the Infinity War. What happens after that, which will yeah. be very interesting. Well, Kevin Feige, he just actually put out a statement saying that Inhumans is definitely not off the table. They're looking somewhere in Phase Four, which which is interesting. Also, they're planning Phase Four, which is just <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. So before we move on, uh, what what have you been consuming recently, Sir Rob? I, I like most of the internet, have um, uh, found, discovered, and am now immediately uh, hooked on Westworld. So uh, yes, uh, we're five episodes into Westworld, which is the reimagining of uh, Michael Crichton's uh, 1972 film, which was a very you know, generic, straightforward story about, you know, it's the future, but there's three theme parks that people can go to where they, you know, live out their childhood fantasies, either in Roman times, in medieval times, or in Wild West. Mm. Uh, you know, humanoid-looking robots that they interact with and they can play cowboy or they can go to copious amount of orgies in Rome or they can be knights in shining armor. But, of course, as always, as beautifully put in uh, the Simpsons episode where they go to Itch and Scratchy Land, nothing could possibly go wrong. Uh, <laughs> and it pretty much just plays out like that. The robots go crazy, start killing people. One guy has to make his way out and stop the big bad played by Yul Brennan. And they've taken this very basic concept, and it's uh, Christopher Nolan's brother Jonathan and producer J.J. Abrams have you know, reimagined uh, that concept into you know, a weekly HBO series. And it's like one of the, I think it's the most expensive 
HBO series at the moment, or it's up there with Game of Thrones. Especially, yeah, there's a lot of tension behind the scenes with uh, the first episode, which had massive reshoots and millions of dollars poured into the to the reshoots of episode one. Um, massive cast as well, like uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins returned to television in however many decades. Uh, uh, Ed Harris is in there, and plus some television staples like uh, Evan Rachel Wood. And James Marsden is in there. Yeah, and uh, Jeffrey Wright, amazing uh, character actor, is uh, you know, popping up on the television screen. So it's taking that concept of a future world um, where we don't see much of the outside world, but it's this theme park where you know rich, decadent humans can waste hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, millions of dollars a day living out their fantasies with these robots that are almost human, they have flesh and blood, and they can consume all their hedonistic activity they can be an evil cowboy they can kill maim and shoot or fuck whoever they want um without any you know really dealings of the real world outside but as always with a tv show they've got to push it a bit further what happens if these you know robots these creatures start to become aware of their surroundings start to remember the fact that they may have been killed 150 times do those memories stay behind Mm. it's yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating how it's playing out. There's been a little concern about because it's a J.J. Abrams production, it might go the way of Lost, which got too caught up in establishing mysteries as opposed to actually just telling a story or having characters there to move these mysteries forward and see them as pieces in a puzzle as opposed to characters or a life of their own. Yeah, um, yeah it's been going at a beautiful pace and seeing – some of the best work of Anthony Hopkins in a long time because he's mostly just been jumping from one franchise to the other. An amazing talent that Anthony Hopkins actually go to a weekly television format has actually been wonderful to watch. How about you, Sandra? Have you watched any of uh, Westworld? I've seen the first four episodes. I'm loving it. I wasn't that familiar with Westworld going into it. I saw the film, I think, a week or two prior to the show coming out. I've always meant to watch it, but I never did. And then I saw Future World for some reason, and it was terrible. But Westworld, <laughs> Westworld itself, I really enjoyed the film. It was a lot of fun. And uh, this TV show has just been spectacular. Yes, it, it really has been. You can see the money has been put in, the actors uh, at the top of their game. And there's little hints, like already five episodes in, the, there's already got a fan base and they're already theorizing what, you know, characters' motivation, backstory. And I'm one of them as well, you know, seeing are there connections with the TV show to the original film, mm. which a lot of us are really hoping for, that it's not just an entity in itself. It actually is connected to this entire world that was done in the 70s and that you know this is a continuation of that which i think would be fantastic so yeah it's moving along great and and on a personal note it's um from a show from hbo uh that prides itself on on gore violence and nudity um which has got under a bit of controversy about its you know biasness towards certain body parts on the female anatomy you say that but i'd say it's been kind of equal like maybe 35 percent male in there definitely more than game of thrones had in the first couple seasons well that's the thing i mean game of thrones is the big culprit that just goes let's throw in some boobs and some uh uh, well well shaved uh uh, genitalia which is quite you know you know doesn't really go with the whole medieval look um (laughs) but 
I've been very impressed with Westworld. It has had quite a balance of um, fun bags and also uh, Johnsons. So there's exactly. been a – you go about 35. I go about, you know, 40, 60. We've okay. got about 40% Wang, which I'm very happy with. Okay, okay. So, so yeah, it's, it, you, know, it, you know, balance it out, Sandro. If you're going to show the puppies, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's good to show the, the, the sausage dog as well. Well, um, yeah, I can't wait for you to see episode five. Episode five was, yeah, a lot of people are saying, and I agree, the best episode of the series so far. There's some incredible moments coming up. I don't want to spoil it for you because you haven't seen it. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking more about Westworld in upcoming episodes about where the arc's going, how the mm-hmm. characters are developing, and uh, where they're going to go with it. And whether, you know, this is, you know, this is like we talked about with um, in, in our previous episodes, uh, trial ones, about, Stranger Things is such a beautiful concept that's self-contained to one season. It's going to be interesting to see whether they can you know, continue on that success with the second series, but kind of looking at more as a sequel movie as opposed to you know, a continuation of the story. The, you know, the writers and the people behind it have said, oh, we've got a five-year, seven-year arc for Westworld. I'm going, that's going to be very interesting to see how far you can expand this very basic concept of you know, robots going crazy. Yeah, I wonder if it has something to do with possibly expanding to the Rome world or something like that um, for future seasons, which I'm not entirely yeah. certain if it'll work, but I think that could definitely extend the lifespan of the show. Mm, there's been no, yeah, there hasn't been really a mention of outside of the outside world. There's been little hints of how the world is out there. Um, but no talk about any other world. So it'll be interesting to see. Definitely. So we mentioned it. Let's uh, have a bit of a, a talk now and a bit of detail now. You you mentioned Doctor Strange. We've both seen the latest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's been pumped quite hard at the uh, publicity uh, side of things, and now it is. Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch has uh, jumped from one franchise, the Sherlock franchise, into the Marvel world. And um, me, personally, um, I, I have many issues with Mr. Cumberbatch. He was a, a young, hopeful actor who <clears throat> jumped onto the screen with the first season of Sherlock. Yep. And since that moment, he's become the face of pretty much everything. He's made a, a very specific effort to throw his name and his presence into everything. And so he has done so many movies he's become the you know the you know the 21st century jude law jude law was everywhere in the 90s and the noughties and now benedict cumberbatch has been everywhere and it's for me it's been a uh it's a detriment to his to his talent and it was very interesting for me to see him take on this role of dr strange which is a you know maybe a second or third tiered character very beloved character within the marvel world but um Mm. He's more of a team player than he is his own character, Doctor Doctor yeah, Strange. So they've, um, I could see what they're trying to do is there is kind of like what they did with Iron Man. They've taken a second or third tier character. They've got a star as opposed to an unknown actor mm. to take that role. And from what I've heard, Benedict has signed on for what a seven or eight picture deal. So he, in many ways, has become the new. He's hope. I think Marvel are hoping him to become the new Robert Downey Jr. Because you know Downey Jr.'s stepping out. There's rumors that Chris Evans will be stepping down as Captain America to bring on. The, you know whether Bucky's going to take the role, like in the comic books, or even Falcon. Mm. So that new superstar to be that anchor that holds the you know the rest of Phase Three and Phase Four together. Um, what do yeah. you think of it? 
Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, in terms of Marvel films, I feel like it kind of switched up the format a little bit, just enough to still feel like a Marvel film, but not enough to uh, completely ignore their core audiences who are just going to see big action <laughs> on a screen. Um, yeah. I think Cumberbatch did a pretty good job. He has been typecast a lot recently. I think this was like his first role in which he's showed a different side to him in which he's not the kind of um awkward very much like what he was in sherlock the imitation game the hobbit (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. smell was a little bit of a you know arrogant son of a bitch so taking all of the town i've got all this dwarf's gold what are you gonna do little hobbit um all in all i thought uh the cast brought it there were some really good performances in here yeah, I mean, I found the, the the casting was incredibly strong. I mean, having uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Shivatel Ajafor, uh, Tilda Swinton, and Rachel McAdams all in the film, uh, stars in their own right, is, mm-hmm. you know, Benedict Cumberbatch and Shivatel Ajafor are Oscar-nominated actors. Tilda Swinton won an Oscar. Um, Rachel McAdams has never really been given the opportunity to really show her talent. And I, fa- I found in this film benedict wasn't that convincing for me his accent okay. was very boring it wasn't the most natural of american accents and i think he got comfortable by the end and he should have been able to relish that role he was playing an arrogant bastard who thought he knew everything you know and he was really quite mean and dislikable at the start but he has to earn his right to be a decent human being it's a great story it's a very tony stark story as well definitely yeah. as marvel characters are but i thought by the end he was getting and they're going he needed to get that film out, and I think he'll be a lot more comfortable in the role. Where Definitely, Harry yeah. Shivatel Ajit 4 was amazing. He's a mm-hmm. wonderful, solid actor. Uh, Rachel McAdams was wasted, I think, and it was really, you know, it was seemed to be just throwing in the love interest part. I really hope um, that she doesn't go down the same road as uh, Natalie Portman and just kind of leave because she's not used much. I really hope that that doesn't happen. Uh, the the big issue was the whitewashing of uh, the Ancient One casting mm-hmm. Twitten. It was you know showing diversity by casting a woman in the role that was traditionally a male role is a good sign. However, casting <coughs> a white woman as opposed to a a you know uh, an actress of Asian descent, which a lot of people were were rightly annoyed about. Um, it was justified within the script that she was from Celtic heritage and yep. all this type of stuff and people from all around the world <clears throat> could be you know, trained in the mystic arts. And she played it absolutely brilliantly. She's an incredible actress. There's nothing to, you know, there's no discredit to how she holds the scene together. And so, yeah, I would have preferred, you know, train, staying true to the, the culture of the character. Um, but uh, Tilda Swinton did a great job. Yeah, it was great. Um, there were a couple of really cool surprises in the film, I thought. Um, we yeah. now know where the final Infinity Stone is. We do! Phase 3 is definitely started. We're definitely uh, heading towards the final storyline of this arc, which is which is good. I like that. I really liked uh, the final battle sequence. A lot well, of these Marvel... F- about, which is like, you know, the Marvel films are notorious for creating the Marvel film characters in the villain side of things are quite generic. And we, mm-hmm. you know, we saw the same thing. There's only one good cinematic Marvel villain and that's Loki. Definitely. Um, all the other villains are quite, you know, just one dimensional and poor old Mads Mikkelsen, who was an outstanding actor. Um, again, just filled in the role of, I'm a bit evil. 
Yeah, uh, I, I don't think his performance was necessarily great, but the way that they handled him were not necessarily him, more how they didn't cop out and go for cloud attacking Earth, giant beam in sky, a bunch of faceless aliens like they have done with literally every Marvel film. It happened with a Green Lantern film as well when they yeah. had, you know, Parallax was just, you know, the big misty cloud with a skull's head. That just, you know, did the whole disaster porn type thing of just killing senseless people on the streets for no reason. I yeah. like how they, they ended the film differently. It wasn't, you know, because Marvel films have just all ended with who's got the bigger gun or who's got the bigger muscles or who punches more. You know, for a film that's been selling itself as visually stunning and the visuals were incredible when you go into that mirror world and how they manipulated reality was so beautifully done. But to have such a quite a generic storyline, to have it end on such a low-key thing of just <laughs> to have Doctor Strange show that he is now the most powerful character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they did it quite just a quite a low-key way. He's going, okay, I'm going to use this unimaginable power not to show my strength, but to show my intelligence. So exactly. it mm. was a brave move in a film and very successful as well. That was one of the, you know, that was the most unique thing about this quite generic origin story. Yeah. And for me, that is who Dr. Strange is. And the fact that they did it like massive props to them for actually doing it. Cause they could have easily just gone for the massive battle sequence, but instead they went for something a bit more subtle which is what I am um, definitely liking about these more B-grade, for want of a better term, Marvel films. I mean, we saw it with Ant-Man last year. That was kind of on a smaller scale, but not really, which was my one issue was with that film was that it was still end of the earth, massive battle sequence at the end, that type of thing. Whereas with Doctor Strange, it was the end of the earth, but it was handled in a, in a more clever way. Yeah, it's a film there's been a lot of criticism about how po-faced it is. It's a very straight film. There's not as much comedy in it as in previous um, uh, Marvel films. Definitely. Uh, some of them balance the comedy, which I find quite successful in Ant-Man, which I like that. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is always one of the great you know, comedic uh, lead actors of our time with how he can turn a phrase, and especially with you know, uh, Mr. Stark. Tony Stark is, you know, born to be that wisecracking character. Mm. But comedy is always an element of the film. So to come to Doctor Strange where the comedy is so downplayed or almost non-existent, you know, um, Wong was amazing as Wong. You know, yes. casting Wong, was he was very good at bringing the comedy. But even, like, the Beyonce gag was, you know, because of it was such a serious film, when that was put in, it seemed almost a bit too forced. It was a beautifully funny moment but it was so out of character for the film and it came in about mm. 45 minutes in you're going oh now you're going to do comedy 45 minutes in yeah i would definitely agree with that i think it's probably got something to do with like this film much like ant-man had a lot of behind the scenes issues in terms of uh, the writing I don't, I don't think anyone left the film but i think they kind of replaced writers every now and yeah. then and also, uh, the film was quite short. Like, it was only, like, 100 minutes long. Um, I think the second shortest Marvel film next to Ant-Man. And that probably has something to do with it. Maybe they cut out some of the jokes. Um, I know that they cut out a lot of... Well, maybe didn't cut out, but they kind of glazed over the whole training part of the film, which I was really looking forward to. That really wasn't in there, and I think if that was in there, that would have definitely brought out some more funny moments. But, uh... Unfortunately, it was a bit absent from this movie. 
so yeah, I think um, um, yeah, Cumberbatch will get more confident and get better in the role uh, the more he plays it, and he'll really find his uh, his niche within it. It's a it, Strange is a good character. Some nice moments in there, and him finding his way. Like I love the little discussion about a man who's there to save lives, and he actually takes a life, and how he deals with that. Yeah, uh, it was a beautiful little moment as well. Um, so so yes. We move on now into what? Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, which may have a cameo from uh, from Doctor Strange, according to a little post credit sequence directed by Dan Harmon, which I absolutely yeah, love. I didn't know that. Which is just fantastic. I mean, out of everyone to get on, uh, I think he should have his own film, to be honest. Dan Harmon um, Marvel movie would be fantastic. Well, it does. It doesn't hurt that you know two of your buddies who you gave a big break to in Community are now like the go-to directors in Marvel. So I'm um, <laughs> exactly. going to the Russo boys and go, hey, you know how I you know, pretty much made you with Community? Mm. How about uh, give a little bit of that sugar back? And did he do rewrites? He did rewrites on Strange, didn't he? Ah, uh, I think he did. Yeah. So we've got Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther. They're the two big ones next year. Uh, no, next year is um, so Guardians of the, of the Galaxy Volume Two will kick it off. I think May. I think that's out. Uh, yeah. Then Spider Man Homecoming, which I'm oh, really looking forward to. And then the year will be wrapped off with uh, with Thor Ragnarok. I think right. Black, Black Panther's Panther. next year. Yeah. So we get Black Panther in 2018. I think so. Yeah, I think that one's been double billed with um. I think Captain Marvel, or maybe that's 2019. I don't know. There's too many. Too many. All right, so let's move on to our, um, our main feature that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the return, yet again, of the little show that just does not want to um, give up, Red Dwarf. Yes. What's your history now, with Red Dwarf, Rob? Have you been watching it since the beginning? I have. Well, I kind of got into Red Dwarf around about season five when I was in high school. My first ever episode of Red Dwarf was uh, Back to Reality, which is the final episode of season five, which is an absolute um, you know, cluster screw of an episode where everything is blended and moved around and you don't really know where you are. And that was my first episode of Red Dwarf. So I went, what is this show? And then I went straight into season six and went all the way through season six, which ended with Out of Time, which is one of the you know the greatest final episodes ever. It's almost a shame that they kept on going with Red Dwarf because it could have ended there. Hmm. But then I went back to watch one, two, three, um, four, and the rest of five. So I kind of watched Red Dwarf in a jigsaw puzzle of a way. Um, but then I've been you know following it as it came back. So I had to endure season seven, which was a bit of a mess of a season. Had to endure season eight, which is a very forgettable arc. Mm. I did it endure um, uh, back to Earth, which was a, a waste of time. It's just painful. Even though I do like the, there's only one moment in it I like. They try to do the whole Blade Runner connection, which is okay. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. And they yeah. do that whole self-referential thing where they sort of like they go to a reality where their Red Dwarf is a show, and that's a bit cringeworthy when shows become that meta. Um, yeah. And he was on the train or the bus with the kid, and the kid talks about why he likes Lister. And then right at the end, he has the opportunity to be with Kachansky, but then he um, Lister quotes the kid about how you know he's a little bit silly, he's a little bit slobby, but he's a little bit brave. That's a beautiful moment in you know an entire wasted experience. But then they came back hard with season ten, which I really enjoyed, and uh, I've always been a bit negative about uh, Doug Naylor doing the show without Rob Grant's mm. uh, sci-fi mind. 
And But with season 10 and with season 11, he's pretty much done it on his own. And I think the failures of season 7 and 8 was that he brought in other writers that didn't really understand the characters in the show, whereas with season 10 and 11, Naylor's done it all on his own. He's written all the episodes on his own, and that's actually helped the show. Definitely. He understands the characters. He understands how they relate to the sci-fi elements. 10 was a solid season, and this season has been very good too. So um, it's nowhere near up to the, the heights of what the show used to be. But there's all with any type of fandom, uh, there's always going to be fraction, you know, factions and groups in there. There are people who only like season one and two of Red Dwarf. There are those who love those ones but more prefer season, you know, uh, three, four, and five, which I kind of prefer, which is more, you know, a whole epic sci-fi concept each episode. Mm. Each of those concepts could have been turned into an entire series in itself or just, you know, a blockbuster film. But Red Dwarf did it just for a half-hour episode. There are some people who even like uh, season seven and eight. They need to get tested or take some medication, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, How about you? Um, Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I got into Red Dwarf a bit late. I think I started watching it, I want to say, when I was six. Um, I got into it with, I think, season three. I don't remember it, though. Um, I went back in uh, 2000 and I think nine. So when Back to Earth came on, uh, I watched the whole thing. I am one of those people who kind of prefer the earlier, like the first two seasons. I loved Red Dwarf kind of up until season six, I think, was when, for me, it started to drop in terms of quality. Yeah. Not necessarily in terms of week-to-week ideas, more in terms of I didn't really feel that connected to the characters anymore. Um, I didn't... And I lost a lot of their, especially in season six, they became more archetypes as opposed to well-rounded characters. Like, Danny John Jules was wasted as Cat because Cat mm. went from being beautifully well-rounded character in season one and two to just being, you know, the the self, self-obsessed um, wisecracker who did just a stupid line every once in a while. Yeah, I know you said that uh, you found season eight quite forgettable. I uh, I do rem- remember it for for some reason. That's the one season in which I can actually remember particular moments from, just because it was <laughs> so bad. I just yeah. <laughs> I can remember that episode where they're stuck in the hold, and it was just really annoying, and I was just wanting it to be over. But anyway, um, and then yeah, like Back to Earth was really annoying. I loved season ten. Like it was just a lot of fun. Pretty much, no, actually, I would say that every episode of that season was was really good. Like it wasn't quite as good as the height of the show, but for a, a reunion season, it was quite good. And now with eleven, they've kind of come back and they are creating new classics. Like there are some brilliant episodes in, in this new season. Well, I mean, I've been appreciated and I've been smiling along with the show, but I haven't had a big outright laugh moment like I did in the past. But with the most recent one, Can of Worms, which was a cat-centric episode, which was amazing. Mm. Um, and I laughed the hardest I have in a Red Wolf episode in ages with the uh, the childbirth scene was... <laughs> yes. I'm like watching it and I just... I was almost as if I was out... It was like an out, out-of-body experience. I could f- see myself laughing at this... And they go, oh, my God, you're actually laughing at Red Dwarf, as opposed to just smiling or going, that's kind of funny. And they go, no, this is a genuine laugh. Um, this has been a really good season as well in terms of characters. I mean, like, as you said, Can of Worms was a very cat-centric episode. Crisis was a Crichton episode. Like, Officer Rimmer was a Rimmer episode. I would say uh, it was a give and take. I'd say that that one was more of a Lister episode, but I don't think he really had any standout moments this season. With season, The first episode was so 
plot driven. Like they're going back in time. They're stuck in the 1920s. It's like science is outlawed. It was like story, 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 concept, concept, concept. It was very much felt like a, a season five episode. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, the next four, they've been, you know, pushing forward Crichton with his, you know, midlife crisis, which was excellent. <laughs> yeah. um, having a beautifully focused cat episode, which was, you know, that final shot of cat wiping out all of the, the, the polymorphs and just going a mother knows just to have that range of one episode going, Danny John Jules is a superstar and, you know, is an incredible talent. He can sing, he can dance, he can do comedy drama in, you know, you should really capitalize on that more with uh, Red Wall. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do have one one small issue with this season as a whole, and that is that I felt like the endings felt weird. I don't know if you got this, but like there were some that ended way too early, like in my opinion, and they didn't really end on a joke. Like Red Dwarf, just thinking back even to season 10, every episode kind of like ended on this moment, or maybe even like Heartfelt. I remember like that season finale ending on that big moment for, uh, I think it was Rimmer where he found out oh. about his dad. And then, like, 11 it ended in moments in which there could have easily been, like, an extra 10 minutes to wrap up the episode, and that's probably my one issue with this season overall. Yeah, for me, they've, they, they've ended a lot like some awkward episodes in season four and five. Mm. Like, um, a DNA finishes really weird. Like, on just the line, it goes, this guy's pure class. Um, at the end of Justice, where Lister falls down the thing about talking about how life is cruel and um, you know, unfair and they just lock him up going, thank God for that. Or Inquisitor, where <laughs> ends with the worst line ever, where he goes, "It's believe I believe it's now time you give me five, sir. And he goes, five? I'm going to 15. Episodes have ended a lot like that on these sort of like, uh-huh type of moments, like the with the elevator, you know, getting seeking its revenge on Lister or... Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it felt like, oh, okay, they've done those episodes before, so I'm a bit more forgiving. I'm going... Yeah, yeah, there's been a couple of classic episodes in the past that end on a really bad gag, and you go, well, well let's just move on. Yeah. It, it, it's not as if it's a new crime. It's a crime they have committed in the past and in episodes from an era that was seen as by fandom as you know, a golden era. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Sometimes they end an episode beautifully, like you know, Gunman of the Apocalypse has ended beautifully, and there's you know, an uh, uplifting moment. You've got... Um, Future Echoes ends on an amazing uh, revolution of uh, resolution of all the uh, issues, whereas sometimes they have episodes that end on you know a bit, <laughs> a bit of a dud. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's what we forgive for Red Dwarf because it's been going you know eleven seasons and you know over twenty years. Yeah, uh, longer almost. You know, getting close to thirty years. Yeah. Um, and um, we are getting a... Coming. They're doing season 12 as well, so... Season 12. I'm not sure if it's this time next year or early 2017. I'm not entirely certain when, but I know that... I think they've already shot it, because um, they shot it back-to-back with this season. So um, we should be getting it soon, and, and I am excited. Like, this season, pretty much every episode was just great. Like, it was just a lot of fun, yeah. so... Sure. I didn't feel like, okay, well, I've got to watch Red Dwarf because I'm a fan. I've got to support them. They go, I'm interested to see where they go with it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm, I've got the, you know, I'm confident to say I'm a Red Dwarf fan again as opposed to the past where it used to be a bit of a, you know, it was like I had to tattoo something on, the, on my forehead to yeah. say, yeah, feel, feel the shame that I have. Um, so, yeah, so that uh, brings us to the end of um, our first official episode, Sandra. How are you feeling like, you know, 
I, th- I think we did some talking. How do you feel you, you, I you went? I think we talked, we agreed, we disagreed, everything that you need for a solid talk show format nerd. Do you think we've, uh, we've, uh, we've pushed the boundaries? Do you think we're, um, you know, we're, we're out there on the frontier of, uh, um, of internet uh, chat room talk podcast uh, uh, arenas? I think we are definitely the heroes of that arena, yes. <laughs> um, so until next time we talk, we've you know what are you gonna what are you gonna be uh, what are you gonna be consuming until we next uh, see each other, Sandro? I'm probably gonna go to the movies, probably see a couple of films, but the main thing that I'm looking forward to watching is finally sitting down and watching Donald Glover's TV show Atlanta. He's one of my favorite comedians. He's one of my favorite rappers. And this combines the two things uh, from Community. If you don't know him, he played Troy. He's got his own show called Atlanta. And I have been looking forward to just sitting down and watching all ten episodes at once. <laughs> Excellent. And, and what's your opinion on Mr. Glover being cast as um, Lando Calrissian? Perfect. Just perfect. Yeah. Interview on Ellen, where his dad's—he said his dad was really supportive, going, "You're going to do great. You're going to be amazing." And his mum goes, "You better not mess it up, okay?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mess yeah. it up. Uh, that was great. What are you going to be watching that probably isn't going to be connected with the show <laughs> next time? Um, well, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go back and uh, and there's a lot of good trailers that have come out recently. So I'm gonna go back and watch the uh, the uh, Train Spotting Two trailer that came out. And that Is was there a, a Train Spotting Two trailer? Wow, I've got to go check that out. I didn't know that was out yet. Trailer has been released, and you get it's 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 a beautiful trailer. It's well put together. I mean, I I. I, I didn't get onto the train uh, train spotting bandwagon back in the nineties when I was in uni. I just I saw it and I liked it and then I kind of moved on. But everyone mm. else made into this big thing, so I saw the trailer and it was it was yeah to see all those great actors back, especially Samantha Bond who's gone on to do amazing things in like a Boardwalk Empire and incredible work to see her you know come back to this have just gone oh wow this is amazing, um, and also I want to rewatch the Wonder Woman trailer which is. The official trailer's out, and oh my gosh, it's good. There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot riding on Wonder Woman, uh, and a lot of people don't want it to fail. A lot of people mm. want it to be good. It may be – there might be too much expectation, um, but look, you know, it, there's, there's some beautiful shots. Have you seen the Wonder Woman trailer? I haven't, and I'm not going to. Um, I've made a decision to only watch one trailer per film, and it'll only be the first one to kind of get rid of all the spoilers and the like. Um, so you've done your the Wonder Woman trailers, and now you're just going to wait to see the film. Yeah, I saw the, the first one. I've done the same with Rogue One. Um, I've done the same with, well, with Doctor Strange as well, and I've found that I have actually enjoyed Doctor Strange more than other Marvel films, not really knowing what's going on, going into it. That's good. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch that again. I'll, I'll watch it a few more times to make up for the ones that you haven't missed. Okay. And also, next, next week's a, a big week for, for Doctor Who fans. Next, uh, next Saturday, the Lost story, Power of the Daleks, which is the first uh, story of the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton, which first mm. aired 50 years ago. Um, uh, next week is the, when the first episode airs, or this week, I think. Um, uh, uh, the actual episodes were lost and burnt and destroyed back in the 70s, and so the only surviving um, uh, stuff connected to this episode has been audio recordings of the whole six episodes. And what 
Doctor Who stories have done in the past is they've actually animated these lost episodes, and so you've had black and white animation to the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but that's been for stories that were missing an episode or two. But this is the first time they've animated the entire story, which is mm. uh, six episodes missing. So next Saturday, I'll be racing down to the local cinema to see Power of the Daleks, uh, all six episodes animated uh, on the big screen. So that's what I'll be uh, doing before we talk again. Well, that's our first episode. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Please keep in touch. And uh, until next time, make sure you nerd out. I've been Rob. This is Sandro. See you next time. See ya. You were just listening to Nerd Out, Episode 1, featuring Rob Lloyd and Sandro Felcher. This has been an improbable production. Feel free to contact us at feedback.nerdout at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook for any review recommendations or feedback. The links are in the description. The views expressed are those of the speaker and don't necessarily reflect those of the other speakers or the network. The opening and closing music for this show is Denial by Dark Shadows. No copyright infringement was intended. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Are you going to ask me what I've been consuming, or are you just going to just want to move forward? Because you're just all about you. This is this is the thing about you, Agents of Shield people. <laughs> Oh, we're a people now, are we? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the the label on you now. Yeah, <laughs> the people. You're very doubly supportive and loyal to a fault. <laughs> uh, I can't necessarily um disagree with that.